0: The chief priests say to Pilate, we have no king but Caesar. It's one of the grim details in a story filled with grim details, but one that is particularly important because of what it says about humanity's capacity to corrupt itself, even under the guise of being holy. We have no king But, Caesar, how is it that these supposedly, deeply, deeply spiritual and holy men could say such a thing? It's it's a blasphemy, it's an idolatry. (coughs) It was no secret that Caesar pretended to be a god himself. And to say out loud those extraordinary words... We have no king, but Caesar is a kind of blasphemy. Where did this come from? What, What we have here really is kind of a portrait of how easy it is, how easy it is for human beings who presume they are holy to be corrupted by evil. What's the problem with these guys? It's fairly simple. I mean, mean, they they would have been people who belonged to the tribe of Levi. They would have had, from birth, immediate access to to this important role for the Jewish people of being the people who are the mediators between the, the people and God. Those who serve in the temple, those who make the sacrifices on behalf of the people. As as little children, they would have been growing up with the vocation, with the joy of knowing that their life would be committed to God and God's people. They would have grown in love for the scriptures. They would have read and prayed the Psalms. They would have studied the law of Moses. They would have prepared themselves to, to know the rules of purity so that they could make these sacrifices without stain. Perfect sacrifice, as close to perfect as possible. These were truly holy people, the holiest of people, the chief priests of the temple, those who mediated the prayers of the people below to God above. And yet here we find them saying, we have no king but Caesar. Their problem is an age-old problem. It's not unique to them. (laughs) We find it already in the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. What's the great sin of Adam and Eve in the garden? Is it eating a piece of fruit? No. It's taking the gifts God has given them and presuming that they are their own. We're good. We're wonderful, we're smart, we're intelligent. Ah, aren't we wonderful? Aren't we holy? Aren't we great? Everybody else should look up to us. It's it's a kind of corruption of goodness that plagues humanity from that moment in the garden right through the story of Jesus and his passion right up to the present day. What is it that causes our wars in this world? What moves someone like a dictator of a powerful country with missiles and rockets and and armies to suddenly invade a neighboring country? It is to make themselves great, to make themselves wonderful, to make themselves, in the eyes of everyone else, powerful, almost as powerful as God, if not as powerful as God. What happens to these chief priests is precisely this. They have taken the gifts God has given them, the vocation God has given them. They've taken God himself in a way and put him in their own pocket. We've got God. God doesn't have us. We know the rules, we know the laws, we know the Psalms, we know the prayers. Aren't we great? Aren't we wonderful? All you people down below should look up to us. That's their great fault. And when someone comes along, like Jesus of Nazareth, who challenges their power, who challenges their self-assurance, who challenges most of all their self-pride, they cannot handle it. They they have to take him down. Who is this this silly prophet from Galilee? Who is this character who challenges us and our rules and our way of doing things? Who sees through us and recognizes that we have compromised the gifts God has given to us for our own good? Take him out. Get rid of him. Let's kill him. Crucify him. And it's because they have been so corrupted by their pride, by their fear of losing their honor before God's people, that they finally reach the depths of darkness when the chief priests of Israel say aloud before anyone who wants to hear them, We have no king." But season. The cross of Jesus. Not, not the wood. But the cross of Jesus, this sign of what Jesus does for us and with us. Of, of, of not falling into that trap, that temptation, that great sin of self-pride. Of saying, look, I'm so godly, I'm so holy. You all people, you ought to honor me. You ought to reverence me. You ought to uh, give me all kinds of glory and all that kind of stuff. I'm so wonderful. I have God in my pocket. Jesus does the exact opposite in this story that we've just heard. He stands against that temptation, against that corruption, against that evil. And in every moment, in every detail of the story that pertains to him, he is humble, he is compassionate, he is forgiving. And most of all, he is willing to give himself and his honor and his privilege completely up. He lets go of it all. And in the worst imaginable death, he is crucified murdered, without protest, without self-pity, without even a hint of, oh, this I'm so good, I'm so wonderful, I'm so whole. Jesus' cross, the cross that we honor and venerate this evening, stands against the corruption of the human heart against everything that is prideful, against egotism, against judgmentalism, against seeing ourselves as better than anyone else. And in silent witness it says no. Instead, it proclaims humility and compassion and mercy and forgiveness and love that gives itself up, that lets go of all privilege and honor and pride of place. It is this cross that we venerate tonight because it reminds us and speaks to us and proclaims Jesus' death as a victory against the corruption of human pride.